You know, we started a new series called Road Trip, and I know a lot of you folks are traveling, and this is just perfect. But let me just, I don't know we say this, but um, this series is really going to get into some stuff. It's going to be great, it's going to be encouraging, but it's also going to be challenging. And one of the things that's going to be challenging today that I'm going to use some words that if you have a young child with you, you may not want them to be in here. Um, this, you know, not because they haven't heard those words before, mom and dad, we know you're saying them. It's not because they're not using them, but just so that I can put out a disclaimer that we might get into some words here that are uh, like, I can't believe you said that in church. Also, if you're here and you're over the age of 50 and you've been saved since Jesus was on the planet, um, please prepare to be challenged. Um, I ask that you don't get up and leave because you're offended. Um, I think you're better than that. But you will be offended today. Now, let the offense maybe do something in you, maybe broaden your perspective, maybe you look at this Jesus thing a little bit differently. But I really just, just challenge you, if you want to flip me off as you walk out the door, that's absolutely fine. We do it up in Boston. You can do it here. Um, but just, you can do that. But just, just be courageous to kind of hang here for, the, for the, just the next 30 minutes that we spend together. So I know a lot of you are traveling, and, and I'm jealous because you're traveling so much. You're having a great time. And why not? There's so many cool places to discover. And this country is loaded with these natural parks that are beautiful. Me and Susan went over 30 years of marriage, and in, uh, in the fall time, we're going to be going to Wyoming, uh, Jackson Hole. Now, I love mountain biking a whole bunch, so there's like these trail systems that are going to be incredible. I'm getting my wife. We're all getting in shape, and, and we're going to head out there, but we're going to see Yellowstone. We're going to see buffalo and elk, and it's just going to be an incredible time. But at, we had to decide what park we wanted to go to, and so we were looking at all the different ones and saw how, how beautiful this country is and how beautiful the park system is that we have here. And I remember as a kid, Pop used to pile all 10 of us in the, in the van or the station wagon back in the early 60s, and... And he used to take us up the coast to a place, and this is the proper pronunciation for it. Okay, so if you travel up there and you don't say it this way, they're going to look at you like you're a wacko. Um, Bahaba, Maine. So if you have a, it's Bahaba, Maine, is, that's how you say it if you're up there. And there's this forest called the Acadia National Forest. And Pop used to take us up there, and, and we travel up there as a family, and we go up Cadillac Mountain and pick blueberries and go along the jagged coastline. Absolutely gorgeous. And matter of fact, this is a photo showing uh, Baja and, and uh, some of the layout, the Porcupine Islands over there. And I got this itty bitty little picture here showing this uh, exactly where we were in 1966. That rock is still there. And that's where Pop used to take us. I'm the guy on the left uh, with his shirt off. It, it was a problem I had back then. You know, I was, you know, it was the last time I had six-pack abs, but we would go up there, Pop would have all 10 of us, big family, and we would just see the incredible coastlines and how beautiful it is. And, and this nation has beautiful parks around the whole, the whole country. And I really discovered that my faith journey has been a road trip. It really has. It's found itself in different states. It's found itself in different environments. And there's a word in geology that's used to define the different states and the different mapping of, of the different parks. It's called topography. 
And it's looking at how things are shaped and formed. The structure, the natural shapes and the structures of a place is called its topography, how it's laid out. And they, they will give you maps like this that will show you, you know, how high Crater Hill is or how deep certain valleys are. And the topography kind of lays it all out for you. And the Grand Canyon has topography. Anybody here been to Grand Canyon? Anybody, yeah, I'm a Grand Canyon view. It has its own amazing topography. Let's see what that Grand Canyon topography looks like. There it is right there. Beautiful topography. Then there's Yosemite. How many of you have been lucky enough to get to Yosemite? Yeah, isn't that thing amazing? It's got its own topography, its own layout and its own shape. Then there's Sequoia National Forest with its topography. I mean, I don't know if you know it, but that's where like Star Wars, the, uh, the Return of the Jedi or something like that was actually filmed there. So that's what made that forest famous, not those thousand-year-old trees. Then there's, then there's Niagara Falls. It has its own topography. It's laid out, okay, got to give the New York people the little shout out there. There you are, and the Canadians in the group. Then there's Yellowstone. It's topography. I mean, they got stuff blowing up in Yellowstone. They've got acid spitting, and they got, they got all kinds of stuff in Yellowstone. And its topography is different as well. And then there's Death Valley. How many of you have been to Death Valley? Death Valley, not as many of us go to Death Valley. But Death Valley has its own topography, and it has its own shape, and it has its own structure. But here's the interesting thing. They are all part of the parks and wreck uh, system of the, of the United States. Leslie Nope is in charge of all of them, okay? <laughs> but they are all part of the parks system of the United States. You don't just get to pick one of them and say, yo, that's, that's a national park and the other one's not a national park. They're all, with all their diverse t typology, they have um, their own shapes, but they're all part of it. And to be honest with you, I was surprised when I found out that Death Valley was a national park. And it doesn't look like a park, does it? I mean, it doesn't have the things that you were to think. If I was to hand out a piece of paper before we started and said, list, listen to all, list down all the things that should be in a park, you might have described Death Valley right out of the equation of being a part of the park system. And as much as I could really talk about the park system today, because I just love it, this series is really be using the park system to correlate between the diverse ecosystems and topography, the shape and layout of the land, and our faith journey and how it goes. Because our faith journey has topography as well. There are times when it's straight, when it's um, smooth, and then there are times when it's dry and it's hot. There are times when it's lush and it has a Yosemite feel to it where you're at the very top of it and you, you see all of its beauty and see the incredible waterfalls. Then there are times when you're scorched by it and you're in a place where there, you just don't see any life. You can't imagine anything can actually live here and you, and you wonder, you know, do I really believe in God? Do I really have a faith? Do I, you know, am I really a child of God? And there are images and expressions that we see clearly as faith, but then we're surprised by the shape and the form our faith takes. So the reason why we're having this series is there's, there's really three main reasons. Um, the first reason is this, that I want to help you, if you're like me, I want to help you discover that your faith journey is real and it's important to God. And just because it doesn't look like everybody else is in the room doesn't mean it's not real. You know, 
there's about three quarters of the people will respond in a certain fashion and will respond in a certain way. And then there's the 25% of us that we don't respond the same way everybody else does. We're just a little odd or a little different. And sometimes in that journey, you can wonder, you know, did I really get it? Did I really get God or get saved or get born again or however you want to phrase it? Did I really get God? And today God wants you to know that just because the topography of your life is different doesn't mean you're not on a faith journey. The second thing is, is that your faith journey will have transitions. You know, there'll be different phases. There'll be mountain times. There'll be times when it'll be beautiful and the blueberries are, are ready to pick. And then there'll be those low altitude moments that you have where you're just stuck in you. You're stuck in the crap in your life. You're just stuck in all of it. And you're just like, you know, where's God? And, and how can I really believe in this? Or did I really get it? And then here's the other thing. Is I want you to appreciate the faith journey of other people. And this is really where I'm going to hit the, if you're in the, my crowd, the 50-year-old 50, 50 and older crowd and you've been saved for a while. I want this series to eliminate judgment. The judgment that we have on what we think Christianity is supposed to look like. That judgmental attitude that, well, if you're really saved, if you're really a Christian, this is exactly how it should be. But I also want to offer you 50 and older uh, something too. It's because you may have a son that's about 35 years old and, and he's having a problem with cocaine. And you don't see any life of God in him at all. And you're worried about his life. And you're like, well, he never prayed the sinner's prayer. He never went to, did an altar call. And I just want to give you a little bit of peace. Sometimes you don't recognize the faith journey while it's happening in another human being. Because you're looking for Yosemite Bible Belt stuff when really God may be doing a Death Valley thing in that person's life. It may be a whole different kinds of journey. So I kind of want to get us to pull back from judgment on other people, but also I want us to like, you know, I don't see it, but I don't have to see it because I believe God is at work in this person's life and I'm just going to rally around it and, and help what God's doing. So... So it's going to be really challenging for us today because one of the things that I've hated about being part of the Christian faith community, and I've said not the Christian faith, but the Christian faith community, was its insistence on there only being one type of faith typology. You know, now, don't get me wrong. Jesus said in John 14, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, but no man comes to the Father but through me. I get the importance of Jesus. I get the centrality of Jesus, that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. There's no other way to God except through Jesus. But I also got to understand this. There's 3.6 billion people on this planet that have never heard the name of Jesus. Okay? You know, like, oh, what happens to them? But on the other side, I learned from the exact same scriptures that God wills that no man should perish. So what does that tell me? Is that... God desires no man to perish, but it seems like a whole bunch of people on the planet are perishing, that maybe there's a part of this journey in my little Bible Belt way I don't understand. Bible doesn't say everybody that's a Muslim or a, a Hindu is going to hell. It doesn't, because God didn't want you to make those kinds of declarations. I do know this, there's no way to the Father except through the Son, but you know, you can fly to Yosemite, you can drive to Yosemite, you could take a boat through the Panama Canal and go to Yosemite that way. But you know what? It's still a faith journey with Jesus. But I don't know how God 
is working it out in everybody's life. I'm not a pluralist or a universalist. I'm telling you, it's through Jesus. But you know, I, um, I hate it when people say, well, if you're a Christian, this, this, and this have to be working out. There is only one part system. There's only one part system, but that part system is expressed in a lot of different ways. And how it's expressed in your life and how it, Jesus is expressed in my life is different. And I think we've been trained in the church just like we've been trained on Netflix in nature shows and documentaries. Because I'm a big documentary guy, love 4K. But do you know what they never show you in any of those shows? You know, Yellowstone. From all, the, from all those shows, there apparently is no poop in any of the state parks. There's no poop in the national park system of the United States. You say, well, that's, that's ridiculous. They just don't show poop. But they try to tell us that, no, no, we got buffalo, uh, they, we've got elk, we got moose, we got this, but we don't have poop in the national park system. Now, I know you think it's totally crazy that I'm talking this way, but you know what? We think church isn't supposed to have poop in it either. Really? We think faith isn't supposed to have poop. Now, how many of you folks here would decide that you wouldn't go to Yellowstone now because I've told you there's poop there? Uh, you know, I mean, oh, I'm not going there. I'm not going to that kind of church. There's poop at that church. You know, if they have the wrong kind of people there. Well, then don't go to Yellowstone because I'll tell you what, there's poop there. Now, we'll kind of help you walk around the poop a little bit. We don't have to always focus on the poop all the time, but it's there. But how come we don't accept that in other people's lives? Why do we expect that if you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're supposed to be pristine? Do you know there was a long time after I gave my life to Jesus, for about a year and a half, I could not quit weed. And if you smoke weed here, you know why I couldn't smoke, quit weed. Okay? Because it is fun. And when you're watching Star Trek or Galaxy Quest or Home Improvement and you're stoned, it's a hoot. And you say, well, I can't believe you're endorsing it. I'm not endorsing it. But for a year and a half, I couldn't stop sleeping around. For a year and a half, I couldn't give up cocaine. For a year and a half, I couldn't give up uh, smoking weed. You say, well, then you really weren't saved and sealed and sanctified with the Holy Ghost and, and saved by the blood of the Lamb. That's bull crap. I had, poop, I had poop in my life. And everyone here does. But I was a part of the park system. I was saved by grace. God was doing a work in my life. But yet there were some things in me that, okay, well, I wasn't Yosemite. I'll give you a clue today. I ain't Yosemite yet either. I may be someplace in the Sequoia National Forest kind of thing, but you know, but I'm a part of the park system because I've been saved by grace. And so it really hindered me that, you know, we don't show the lion eating the elk. We just show them racing and some English guy's voice and his pursuit is going and he's running away and then finally the lion jumps on the back, the claws go in the land, into the back, then we switch over to some bird on the Serengeti. While this guy is chewing down on the carcass of that cute little baby elk, we're not showing that part of it. But you know, the Bible doesn't show a, life, a Christianity where we don't see the lion eating the lamb. 
It doesn't show a Christianity where we don't see the poop of King David cheating on his wife, gathering five wives to himself and being a crappy father. We don't, we don't read the stories about Jonah when he couldn't stand what God was doing so much that he ran away from God. We call it a fish story. It wasn't a fish story. It was a poop story about a man whose faith he wanted to run away from God. But we don't talk about that because we want our Christianity and our documentaries not to have all that in it. A big part of the hindrance I've experienced as a Christian is not living up to the standardization um, of being a Christian. Not from a biblical standpoint, but from a, a church culture standpoint. I realize I have sin in my life, and this isn't just like I got sin and that's okay. I fight the sin in my life. I challenge it, and I ask God through the Holy Spirit and the direction of God's word and then the accountability of friends to kind of help me get over some of the things that I struggle with. But the church culture has its own set of standards that it adds on top of that that always made me feel like I was a little screwed up. You know, I should be screwed up today. I'm one of the only pastors in this city that's been divorced and remarried. And some of you are like, what? Wait a minute. Wait a minute, you can't, okay, first of all, I've been in my second marriage for over 30 years now, okay? But, no, 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 no. so you had, you had poop in your life 33 years ago? Yep, I had poop in my life. It's like, well, I can't have a pastor that had poop. I can't have a pastor who's, who has software on his computer to keep him from looking at pornography. You mean, Pastor Paul, that you would possibly look at pornography if you didn't have the software? Yeah, possibly. I know there's poop in my life, and I know, just like the Apostle Paul, the things I shouldn't do, I do. The things I should do, I don't do. And the Apostle Paul said it in a nice King James way, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall save me from this poop? And then he said, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. I only get to use poop once a year, so I'm just going to try to use it as often as I can today. So please, you know... Let, let me do this because I'm immature. <laughs> but I want, you to, I want you to hear a passage from the Apostle Paul, and he talks about things that are worse than what I'm talking about. But he's talking to a group of people who are on a faith journey. Listen to it. Romans 13, 12. He says to a group of Christians just like you and me, let's lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Because we are doing the deeds of darkness. That's why we have to lay them aside. Because our faith journey has darkness in it too. Let us behave properly as in the day. Not in carousing and drunkenness. Not in sexual promiscuity or sensuality. That's funny. That one actually got cleaned up for you. Because in the King James it says not in orgies. I guess somebody decided that orgy smelled too much like poop, so we needed to clean it up a little bit and call it promiscuity. Okay? But he's talking to Christians. You say, well, they can't be really saved if they're getting hammered on Friday night and showing up for church on Sunday morning. Well, apparently they can because Paul said, let's lay that stuff aside. Let's lay aside that bag of weed. Let's lay aside this, you know, your relationship, the way it's going on, because I know you're into it. Because we're all into that stuff. We all have desires that we do. And he says, I, you know, you're part of the park system now. He says, but I know you got stuff in your life that we need, you need to get out of your life and get Christ into your life. He says, put on 
the Lord Jesus Christ to make no provision for the flesh in regard to its destructive lusts. First of all, this is not the kind of topography that sounds like a Christian can be a part of. Then why is Paul writing it to Christians? If Christians can't do this and still be Christian, then why is he writing to them and saying, hey, listen, guys, we can be better than this through Christ, through the power of the Spirit, and through the Word of God. They are things that need to be laid aside. But we need to give ourselves a little bit of faith credit in grace that if you're here today and you're like me, and it's taking you a while to lay aside your bag of weed, and you still haven't kicked that boyfriend out of your house that still lives because you love him so much, and you're still having a hard time with the cocaine, or you're still struggling with porn, or you're still just as jealous and, and angry at your father or your sister as you've ever been, God wants you to know, listen, hey, that doesn't mean you don't have faith. It doesn't mean you're not on a faith journey. You may be in Death Valley, but it's still part of the park system where there's grace. You know, this may not be a good time for you, but don't give up on the road trip just because you're in a difficult place. But he doesn't stop there. He begins to talk to the Christians observing Christians crowd. Oh, I love this part. Um, Romans 14, 1 through 4. Listen to what Paul says to Christians who are observing Christians. Now, accept the one whose faith is weak, or accept the one who is weak in faith, but not for the purpose of passing judgment on his opinions, arguing about stupid stuff. For God has accepted him. Who are you to judge the servant of another? To his own master he stands or falls, and he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. Wow, what a verse. Except the one who is weak in faith. Now, I know you're looking at that word weak, and if you're, you're you know, a good Christian moralist, if you're over 50 and you've been saved for 30 years, what you think weak means is somebody who is um, struggling with uh, courage in the face of cancer. Or... It, the only other kind of weakness I could understand would be the um, uh, questions about science and, and its conflicts with, with faith. And we understand that. But no, that's not what the word means. It gets deeper than that. I looked at every way that this word could be translated in the New Testament from the original Greek. And it refers to someone whose faith is this. Weak, infirm, deficient, sick, doubting, timid, hesitating, Lacking dignity or power, contemptible, distressed, and needy. He says, now accept the one whose faith you look at and you think it's contemptible. How dare she wear that dress? You can't be a Christian and, and, and have a problem with that. Man, I just, I just saw Coach Saban when they zoomed into him on the football game, and I saw him F-bomb during the world championship game. And he calls himself a Christian. And he goes and talks about Jesus. And he's like, you know, here's what we do with people whose faith are in, in Death Valley. People's faith who aren't where we think their faith should be. He says, except those whose faiths are weak and contemptible and doubting and sick, 
and deficient in strength. Remember, Death Valley is just as much a national park as Yosemite and Yellowstone and Niagara Falls are. Now let's look at the word accept. Because this word accept is not some passive or reluctant acquiescence. All right, they're an idiot. All right, they're inconsistent in their faith. We'll put up with them. That's not the word accept in the original language. It means this, to take to oneself, to take as a companion that person, to associate with them, to receive kindly and hospitably to admit to one society and friendship and treat with kindness. You know what was not in there? To give them a piece of your mind. To tell them what you think she ought to be wearing. What they ought to be doing. I remember when this lesbian couple came into church about three years ago, and they were holding hands. Okay, that makes sense. Um, so they, they walk in holding hands, and one of the ladies of the church came running to me. There's a gay couple, and they're holding hands. What are we going to do? I'm like, well, what do you think we're supposed to do? Get them a cup of coffee. You know, I mean, what, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to just get into an argument about gay marriage? You know, I, I remember one woman came in, and she was wearing, and please excuse my description of this, but she was wearing a dress, and she was rocking the dress. Okay? I mean, she was rocking that dress. And a woman came over to me and she said, um, did you see the woman with the dress? I was like, oh yeah. Uh, I saw her. And she said, uh, uh, that's to totally inappropriate. And I looked at this woman and I said, let me ask you this. Is it inappropriate because you wouldn't look as good in it? And it's like, are you like, well, you're a, well, I can't say that word here. <laughs> <laughs> I was so close. I'm just happy you let me say boop, so I better not push it. But my point was, is your lack of tolerance for somebody that's been in the building for about 15 seconds is so unchristlike. It's not a part of the parks and rec system. I mean, I thought, what, that's not what this thing is supposed to be about. So let me just call bullcrap on something. Hate the sin and love the sinner. That's just an excuse for us to be ugly and then hide under the guise of love. The Apostle Paul says, accept the weak. What does that mean? Befriend them, love them, bring them into your association. Um, uh, establish them as a companion or associate. Be kind to them, be hospitable to them. And if you're wondering, well, you know, you're taking one verse out of context, Paul reiterates this in another place. 1 Thessalonians 5.14, he says, We urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly. I get it. But he says, encourage the faint-hearted. Help the weak. And be patient with everyone. Do you know that the disciples were probably disciples three years before they were believers? We think that you become a believer and then you become a disciple. That you believe and then you belong. Jesus goes, gets these ruffian fishermen, and I'm a fisherman, and I know what goes on in the boat stays in the boat, but I know what it's like to be on that boat, and he goes and grabs them, and he says, listen, I want you to be, a, I want to bring you to myself, I want to accept you and bring you in, and then I'm going to teach you something, 
And then I'm hoping that you'll believe this. And they go from discipleship to believing in something, and then they believe in it, and they go to make disciples. There's got to be a place where we allow people in, and they don't believe it yet, where they get to be disciples, learners about what this thing's all about, about this love of God, about the park system. Remember, the park system came into place. You know why? Because John Muir was a photographer, a naturalist, and a preservationist, and he called Theodore Roosevelt, and he said, listen, i got to take you someplace, and he brings him out to Yosemite, and when Theodore Roosevelt saw Yosemite, he immediately began the process of establishing the park system. See, he had to get him into the, into the park before anything else could happen. But if we're judging people before they get even in the park... Of course they don't believe in the park system. And if you still don't believe me, Romans 14, 4, the Apostle Paul says this, who are you to judge the servant of another person? To his own master he stands and he falls, and he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. The Lord's kind of like, nah, 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 nah. You don't think he's a Christian. Well, God's like, well, I can make him stand. Well, you don't, you don't think his kind go to church, or you don't think his kind are going to be in heaven. And the Lord's like, you know, stop judging my servant. Stop, leave him alone. He said, because I'm able to make that person stand if that's what they want to do. The faith journey you're on is not a cookie-cutter experience. The faith journey others are on is not for you to determine whether it's genuine or not. You don't know how many times she was molested. Let me just tell you, if I was molested by multiple men and I was a woman, I would probably prefer the sexual company of another woman. You say, well, are you endorsing homosexuality? No. But I understand the journey that people may be on. You know what? If my dad beat the crap out of me and I lost my gender identification, I would hope I'd find a community that would give me enough room to poop with them and find it because I got to help them belong before they believe because somebody did it when I had my bag of weed there was a guy who led me to the Lord and I would say dude can we take this nickel bag I'm just I keep and, and every week I'd come back with another nickel bag I hope he wasn't smoking it uh, but I'd keep going back and I'm like I'm having a hard time with weed I just can't give it up and every time he'd love on me he'd love on me and love on me because he knew God was doing something real in my life. So I'm about to show you, and you say, well, Pastor, well, I'm okay with all this stuff. Well, I'm about to test you. Because I'm going to show you a video, video of a guy that I would say six months ago, this guy talks about Jesus, and I'm like, ah, I don't know, he's not a real Christian. He's just one of those cultural guys. And, and then I saw him do something that I was just blown away. But it made me realize that the vulgar and the sacred can be found in the same person. And this person is an A-list Hollywood guy. He starred in Galaxy, Guardians of the Galaxy. He starred in Jurassic Park. He's probably the hero to every millennial on the planet. But I want you to hear the vulgar and the sacred come out of the same man. Let's watch. Ladies and gentlemen, it is our pleasure to present this year's Generation Award to Chris Pratt.
Thank you. Can you hear me? I don't want to lean down. <clears throat> I want to thank Bryce and Aubrey. I love you both so much. Uh, thank you, MTV, for this honor. Uh, real quick thanks to my mom and my dad and my brother, Cully, my sister, Angie. I love you. I love our family. We didn't have a pot to piss in growing up, but we laughed our butts off every day, and we still do. Uh, and a special mention to my son, Jack, who will watch this one day. Kid, I love you. I love you more than anything in the world. And to the fans, I wouldn't be here without you. Thank you. Um, this being the Generation Award, I'm gonna, I'm gonna cut to the chase and I'm gonna speak to you, the next generation, okay? I accept the responsibility as your elder, so listen up. This is what I call nine rules from Chris Pratt, Generation Award winner. Number one, breathe. If you don't, you'll suffocate. Number two, you have a soul. Be careful with it. Number three, don't be a turd. If you're strong, be a protector, and if you're smart, be a humble influencer. Strength and intelligence can be weapons, and do not wield them against the weak. That makes you a bully. Be bigger than that. Number four, when giving a dog medicine, Put the medicine in a little piece of hamburger, they won't even know they're eating medicine. Number five, doesn't matter what it is, earn it. A good deed, reach out to someone in pain, be of service, it feels good and it's good for your soul. Number six, God is real. God loves you. God wants the best for you. Believe that. I do. Number seven, if you have to poop at a party, but you're embarrassed because you're gonna stink up the bathroom, just do what I do, lock the door, sit down, get all the pee out first, okay? And then once all the pee's done, poop, flush, boom. Just, tr just trust me, it's science. Number eight, learn to pray. It's easy, and it's so good for your soul. And finally, number nine, nobody is perfect. People are gonna tell you you're perfect just the way you are. You're not. You are imperfect. You always will be, but there is a powerful force that designed you that way. And if you're willing to accept that, you will have grace. And grace is a gift. And like the freedom that we enjoy in this country, that grace was paid for with somebody else's blood, do not forget it. Don't take it for granted. God bless you. Please get home safely. Thank you. Okay, so let me ask you, when was the last time you talked about the blood of Jesus to a group of people? When was the last time that you told somebody that God was real or encouraged them to pray? That was inappropriate, Pastor Paul, because he talked about poop. Okay, let me just tell you. This journey that we're on, it's got highs and lows in it. It's got desert in it. It's got mountains in it. It's got trees and it's got sand in it. You know what I was thought was interesting about that video clip? Is that when I went and looked at how secularists or atheists were responding, or Hollywood was responding to that video clip, they loved the video clip. You know what they did? They edited all the Jesus references right out because they didn't want his sacred. 
But then I went to Christian websites, and guess what they did? They edited all the poof references out because they didn't want his vulgar. But thank the Lord God that God wants all of him. And he wants all of you. Everything about you. Yeah, I use the F word probably one or two times too many. Yes, I'm not always the kindest person, and I struggle with things that are way too carnal. But you know what? I'm a part of the park system. And yes, sometimes it's hard, and it's dry, and it's just, there's no vegetation, and there's no, doesn't appear to be any life in it, but God is with me in it as well. Jesus is traveling in your faith journey, and there are times you may experience vulgarity, and there's times when you may be inspired and I'm not endorsing sin, because I know some of you are going to hire, you're going to come up to me, and you're going to say afterwards, but doesn't the Apostle Paul correct somebody who's sleeping with his father's wife in, in Corinthians, and that they were to kick that person out? Okay, now that's a person who knows the truth. That's a person who knows what's right and wrong. They were trying to redefine what right and wrong was, and he's sleeping with his mom, with his dad's wife. And that sounds pretty stupid to me. Wouldn't you want to address an issue like that? So don't hide behind that stuff. We're talking about the ebb and flow of humanity trying to grab a hold of the divine and the love and the grace of God. And that sometimes you, you don't do a good job with it for yourself. And if you're here and you were hammered on Friday night and you, you, you know, we used to have a praise and worship leader years and years ago He'd come up to me after church, I mean just before church, and he would tell me, Paul, I, I was doing some lines of cocaine last night, and I don't think I can lead worship. And I'm like, dude, I can't play the guitar and I can't sing. I'm like, you're going to have to get over it. Jesus, and we talked to Jesus right there on the spot. And he'd be like, but I was, I was doing lines of cocaine the night before. And I'm like, listen, Jesus takes us where we are. And you're our worship leader. So I need you to sing and worship God and believe it in your heart that he loves you just as you are in this particular moment. He'll get you to a place where the cocaine will be behind you. But right now, you've got to sing to the Lord even in the midst of your poop. So some of you here, you've been looking around, and you're like, well, I'm not like Mr. Ben, or I'm not like Pastor Paul, or I'm not like Stacy, or I'm not like so-and-so, and I'm... Maybe I didn't get it. Maybe I didn't really get saved because after I got back t- baptized three weeks later, I was back doing the exact same thing. Welcome to the faith journey. And the one thing I want you to know today is that you're safe. And I know you're going to have great days, and I know that you're going to have bad days. I know that your top, uh, topography has divorce in it. I know that your topography of faith has times of doubt in it. I know that your topography has addictions in it. And God wants you to know that that's part of your journey. And your journey is real, even if you struggle with these things. I'm trying to help you over this series help other people in their struggles. And not helping them, telling them, giving them a piece of your mind. What I would do if I was you. But so that you could help them, not as elders or moralists, but as friends. As creating spaces of hospitality so that they can be loved so that they can give you their bag of weed and not feel judged. Too many of us see the cigarettes 
the lesbians holding hands, the blouses that are too low. And Christ says, knock it off. Just knock it off. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to take a look at people who have bad road trips. We're going to look at Jonah. Boy, that guy screwed up royally. We're going to look at David. We're going to look at Samson. Oh, my goodness. Talk about some poop. But today we want to talk about the value of your journey and those you care about that are on it. That You don't know if they've got it, but maybe they do and you just don't know it. Let me close in reading Psalm 139 as we go into communion and to expressions. David said this, Oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. The guy that cheated on his wife and had five other wives and then lost his son to murder. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my topography, my path, and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend into Yosemite, you are there. If I make my bed in the heat of Death Valley and hell itself, you are there. If I take the wings of the wind and dwell in the utmost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. And the reason why I only showed this part of the, ver of the whole thing was even there, because you have an even there. Yeah, but Paul, you don't understand. I I'm in this situation, even there. Yeah, but Paul, I have a hard time with my son, and I don't think he's living right. Well, let me, even there. Yeah, but I, I still struggle with this thing in my life. Well, even there, your right hand shall uphold me. If you're here today and you're in a bad place, I got good news for you. If you're in a bad place, God's in a bad place too. Because Psalm 139 said that where you are, he is. And he's not ashamed to be in that bad place with you. That's why Jesus came to the earth and died for us. Because we had screwed up religion so much, he wanted to let us know, I know you're in a bad place, and I will die in a bad place with you and for you. That's the Christianity God wants you to fall in love with wants you to open your heart to. Not this Bible Belt stuff. Sorry, Bible Belters. So as we go into communion, come to the table of Christ because it is the park and that's the park system. It's where grace happens. You don't have to be perfect to take that bread in your hands and to dip it into the cup and to welcome Jesus into your life. He welcomes you today. We invite you. Father, into this moment, you have brought people like me. You know my thoughts afar, and you're still near me. You know my poop. You know my successes, and you know my failures. And I still can't escape from you. You're still there when it doesn't even look like faith to other people. You're still here. God, help me to walk in that grace. And help me to see that grace at work in other people's lives, even when I think their faith is contemptible. We thank you, Father. We welcome your spirit 
Because whether we're in a good or bad place at this moment, you are here with us.